0: you're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and You know, those things are,
1: are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients.
0: help put them in our head, but they're probably not the questions that you want answered, so. Yeah, writing them down for us is important because of our chemo brain. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to The Bloodline with LLS.
0: I'm Alicia. And I'm Lizette. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode.
1: Today, we will be joined by social worker, Karen Hartman over at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. We know the holidays can be a time of family gathering, traditions, and great cheer, but with the cancer diagnosis, holidays can begin to feel quite different for most. On today's episode, Karen will be sharing with us 10 tips for making your merriment more manageable. Karen, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience?
2: Sure. My name is Karen Hartman. I'm a clinical social worker and social work manager at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center.
1: Today's topic is on ways to cope with, you know, with a cancer diagnosis around the holidays. What would be the first step that you'd recommend for someone who is approaching this time and may feel slightly different than they, they may have in the past?
2: Well, I think probably one of the most important things is to acknowledge that it may be different. Holidays are um, a time that many of us see happiness and joy and warmth and family all around us. And for somebody who has a cancer diagnosis or a family member, it it just feels different. And so acknowledging that and making a plan for the holidays can make it go a little more smoothly. It's really important to acknowledge both the cancer and the holidays um, and allow yourself your emotions. It's really okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel happy. Holidays stir up emotions in most of us, even if we don't have cancer. Allowing that to happen, um, acknowledging the way you feel, and maybe talking to somebody about it can be helpful.
1: When you say make a plan, would you suggest going over a plan themselves and then bringing it to a family, or would you suggest that someone make a plan with their family or with their friends about how they would like the holidays to play out for them?
2: Well, I think that's a really good question. I think it depends on how you've done your holidays in the past, but in general, I think the idea of going over this with family or friends is really a good one to kind of think in your own head about what you see as the way you like the holidays to play out, but it's usually not a solitary event, so it's good to talk with other people and get their input and just let them know what you'd like and see what they'd like and come up with a plan together.
1: So you have making a plan as number one. What's the second way someone can cope with the holidays after a cancer
2: diagnosis? Try to prioritize what matters to you a lot about the holidays. What part of any particular holiday really is the most important to you? And maybe it's different this year than it was in other years, but figuring out what part you really want to keep and what parts maybe you can let go of. And again, that's a conversation with people, but I think going into that conversation with sort of a sense of what matters to you could be helpful.
0: So I feel after a diagnosis, a lot of times people either go towards family and friends or They turn away from family and friends. And I believe that, you know, a lot of times it's either or. And that's totally okay. Right, Karen? Going either way?
2: I think it's important to figure out what's going to make the holidays the most manageable. And you're right. Some people want to limit the social contacts that they've had and other people feel, perhaps feeling that this might be the last holiday season, even if that's not the reality. I think with cancer, that's something that is on people's minds. And so those people feeling that way might feel that it's important to see lots of family and friends because who knows what next year will bring. I think having people around in general is a good thing. If they're the right people, because I'm a social worker, I believe in socialization because I think it can be helpful. But you're right, making it work for you in the way that's best. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's what works best for a patient, a caregiver, a family.
1: I actually believe in the power of community because when my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer, we remember every holiday after that would be one where People who may have not showed up last year or the year before, they made sure that they came, you know, because of that thought of. Although things look fine now, with cancer you just never know. You never know if that's the last day, the last holiday. You you want to you want to make sure that there is that time spent, you know, with everyone. And she definitely appreciated it as well because. Not because they came because she had cancer, but I think being around people and more people let her know that we were we were trying to make it as normal as possible, you know.
2: Yeah, I think that's a lot of it, honestly, Alicia, having as much normalcy as you can without adding pressure. I think that that really does make a difference. I've also heard patients say um, when a lot of people show up for a holiday or an event, what, they think I'm dying, so they all come out now. So you kind of have to... Again, sit down and figure out what's what's going to work. I think for most people, having family and friends show up is usually a good thing, but not always, as as um, Lizette alluded to. It's a mix. It's just and holidays are so loaded with emotion anyway that um, trying to figure this out ahead of time is just really helpful. So another thing that I think is really good for um, patients and family members is, and especially for patients, because this is so hard for most of us is to accept offers of help or ask for help if you need it. I I see a lot of patients and family members for counseling here, and um, this is one of those areas that I really try to almost push people to maybe change their usual way of behaving because most of us are very independent and want to do things on our own, and asking for help can be hard. But at the holidays, whether it's asking people to bring a dish when you're used to cooking everything yourself or asking somebody to wrap those presents or get the menorah candles or do something that normally we would do ourselves is just really important to be able to do but hard
0: yeah I can just imagine trying to ask for help but not doing so and then feeling
2: bad that I still have to do everything which I do all the time exactly (laughs) yeah that's what that's what happens And so for family and friends, if anyone's listening to this who's like the friend or the family member of a person with cancer, what we always encourage people to do is to make really specific offers of help. Instead of just saying, call me if you need anything, which is like not an offer of help, even though it feels like it. Rather say, "Can I'm going to the supermarket. Can I pick something up for you? Or tell me what dishes you need. I'm going to make three dishes for your holiday meal and you tell me which ones you want. You know, something that's very specific. Another thing that I encourage people to do is to think about family traditions. To keep what works, keep what's really important, going back to that prioritizing, asking for help, which might be new, what is doable this year and what's important this year and maybe what you can let go of.
0: I know that many people try to do everything because they're trying to make sure that they have another year that seems, you know, similar to the past years or are traditional But sometimes when you have a cancer diagnosis, if you're going through treatment, you feel a lot of fatigue and and you still want to do everything, but you may not be able to. How do you handle
2: that? as you know, fatigue is one of the biggest side effects of both cancer and cancer treatment. And you're right, it just has an impact on everybody's ability to to do what they want to do, which is why I do encourage people to pick and choose what's important to them, because going through whatever the, the regular holiday tradition list for many people, it would just be overwhelming in the midst of a cancer diagnosis. So I think, you know, going back to the making a plan, prioritizing all of that stuff. Really another one of my 10 tips is to remain flexible, to allow yourself to take care of that fatigue, whether it's taking a nap or skipping whatever the event was or the the activity that was for today and encouraging people to be okay with that. It's part of being not being okay that this is cancer, but accepting that things are different and fatigue other side effects just might get in the way. When I talk with people about well, this, for instance, they're going to have dinner at somebody's house for the holidays, and they're worried about being so tired as not to be able to get through the meal. So we talk about, is there a room off to the side, maybe? Is there some place you can rest? Can you tell your family so they'll understand? And, and families do. They usually would be happier to have the patient in the room for whatever period of time they're able to, and go off and rest when they need to, rather than just not be there at all.
1: When my grandmother was diagnosed from from that point forward, when it came to holidays, for example, take Thanksgiving, we would say, you know, after we ate, we would say, oh my gosh, everybody's so tired. Let's just do two hours of everybody doing what they want to do, take a nap. So we made it more of everyone was taking that time to relax so that she wouldn't feel as if she had to step away from everything that was happening or that she was missing out or anything or that we had to, you know, do all this work, you know, to, to accommodate her. Cause you know, that's, that's sometimes a thought
2: that sounds like a great idea, Alicia, and in any way that you can yeah, make the whole thing a team effort and normalize whatever needs to happen. So that, And actually, a two-hour nap sounds really good. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So number seven would go right along with what you were just saying, Alicia, which is keeping family and friends aware of what the holidays look like to you and what you think needs to happen this year and getting everybody on the same page about it. And people will have different views of this. And so keeping everybody talking about what's important and really remembering the reason that that you're all there. And then for me, number eight is to make things as simple as you possibly can. Simplify, simplify, simplify. So whether that's meals, gifts, decorations, visits, social occasions, party acceptances, whatever you can do to simplify and limit. So going back to what Lizette said about fatigue so that that doesn't become a huge issue.
1: When I was driving you this morning on the radio, someone quoted, be content when you have enough, not when you have more. So that when you said simplify, that's what came to mind. I, I think everyone can get caught up in the whole idea of it's the holidays. We have to go you know, above and beyond. And some people love that. And some people find it a bit overwhelming. And I, you know, when someone is diagnosed with a cancer or any illness, for that matter, I think a reminder that that's even more of a reason to be very much aware of what the holiday means for that person for that family and kind of get back to the foundation of it, as opposed to making it a a
2: spectacle. That's interesting, because what I heard when I was driving in to work today on the radio was about how we as a society have become so focused on glitz and glamour and excess. And I think that you're right at the holidays, that really comes to the fore and the decorations around town and in the stores and in restaurants. And then the pressure to be doing a big whatever at the holidays is immense. But simplifying is really helpful. It can be very, very liberating. The key is making sure that everybody in your family circle understands that that's where you're coming from and that everybody's sort of on the same page about it. And for me number 9 remember the reason that the holidays matter to you in the first place whether it's uh, the holidays are all based on on religion most of them and they started out as religious holidays many of them and we've many of us have sort of lost track of that as important but if that's important to you maybe going back to that or whether it's just the gathering of the family which is a huge thing when Alicia talks about her family coming together at the holidays that's really for many families that's what it's about getting together and not all the glitz and glam. So holding on to what really matters to you and making up the core of this holiday season.
0: Do you find that many people, after they're diagnosed, want to start a tradition? Maybe if they didn't have traditions
2: before? So, yeah, maybe turning uh, what used to be a big extravaganza of a meal that I prepared all by myself, starting a new tradition of everybody brings a dish. Or instead of my shopping for all of the extended family and everybody getting a bunch of gifts for everybody doing a a grab bag where everybody chooses one person. I think that everything we've all said through this whole discussion is about things look different when you have cancer and the world looks different and your priorities change and the holidays are kind of a crystallization of all of that. So sure, new traditions are good at any time, but especially when you're dealing with something like cancer. Absolutely. And so much of the holidays are wrapped up around food. For somebody who is on treatment for cancer, often taste buds change, appetite changes. Everything is different about food. And if you think about the holidays of any tradition, food is pretty central. And so not that that can't continue, but being mindful of of that and how that needs to be modified so that a person who's struggling with a change in taste buds or an inability to eat or a feeding tube or an inability to swallow and another holiday that's difficult for a lot of people is New Year's. The new year can look very scary for somebody with a cancer diagnosis. It's very unclear what the next year will be like. It can be a whole broad, wonderful, bright um, space of optimism and all kinds of possibilities, or it can be scary, like what will happen to me next year. Right. So for me, number 10, self-care, but I mean mindful self-care, thinking about how to get through this whole season so that people feel cared for and patients and caregivers don't feel Overburdened and resentful the way you mentioned, Lizette, when you don't, when you don't ask for help, when we don't ask for help and then we needed help and we ended up doing it all ourselves like the little red hen and then resentful. So trying to balance all the works, but self-care is sort of, for me, a guiding principle here. That and holding on to what is the core of the holiday for you.
1: So in your experience, Karen, with patients or caregivers that you speak with about the holidays, you mentioned a bunch of them, as well as New Year's. What is the one thing that you think the majority of them say when it comes to their own ways of coping with the holiday?
2: I think most people approach the holiday. Some people are are joyful at the holidays. I was talking to a patient the other day who has a pretty advanced cancer, but she's doing well and feeling well. And she said, I just love the holidays and I'm just going to do the best I can to have a really wonderful time with my family and friends this holiday. And there was very little sadness in what she said. For other people, it's just really sad because of the fear of unknown and what will happen in the future and is this the last and I can't do it the way I want to. Those are the two kind of common themes, uh, a sort of fear and sadness and just sort of bucking it up and, and enjoying the holidays because holidays are wonderful. And it's a good time to forget the, the stress and anxiety of a cancer diagnosis.
0: And I know that you also um, communicate with a lot of caregivers.
2: Is there something that
0: they mention? Because I know that as a caregiver, sometimes I don't know what to do. But as a caregiver, is there any advice that you have for someone that's trying to make the holidays and and every day just easier for their loved
2: one? I think um, it's okay to ask a patient what. Their vision of the holidays is, you know, the caregiver may want to make this a big blowout holiday season for all the reasons that we've talked about. But just a conversation about what what matters and what we're going to do this year. And so that when the Thanksgiving table is without some kind of, you know, some treasured dish that everybody really loves and nobody expected it not to be there. So there isn't like sadness. Everybody understands that treasured dish was really difficult and complicated to make. And whoever used to make it is not up to it this year.
1: and would you advise that a patient or caregiver talk to their healthcare team about upcoming holidays or special events?
2: You know, sometimes people want to break from treatment so that they, if, depending on the kind of treatment, if they um, have side effects that kick in at a certain period of time after the chemo or after whatever treatment, and so maybe they have a conversation with their team the team aware that this matters to me, and I really would like to be um at my best for the Hanukkah party or on New Year's Eve or for Christmas. You know those are the things that I think it's good to talk to the team about and most most physicians and nurses understand that they want they want to make this possible. Many of our patients are treated in a chronic way, and so it's a long haul and having a bit of a break is sometimes exactly what's in order absolutely good point. Well, it's just the holidays are so complicated and they're so fraught with emotion and the expectations are enormous. And we have this vision, if it's Christmas, of little children under the tree opening presents with sparkly eyes. And if it's hot, lighting that beautiful menorah is in the house smelling of onions and fried potatoes. And that's a lovely image. It's not everybody's reality. And I think, you know, accepting that and understanding that is a lot of what we should all do, irrespective of cancer. But cancer just makes it that much more important. It would be important for people dealing with cancer to understand that it's normal. That's a lot of what I do in my work is to tell people what they're feeling is normal, but it's normal to feel that what what, what you're feeling dealing with a serious illness does change perspective. Um, so that's when you go to the 10 tips and figure out how, how to get through this holiday season with as much joy and pleasure and as little fatigue and upset as possible.
1: Thank you so much for sharing these great tips with us on how to cope with a cancer diagnosis during the holidays. If anyone listening would like to read more about ways to cope during the holidays, you can visit www.mskcc.org and type in Coping with the Holidays for various blogs about this subject. We also encourage you to contact our LLS Information Specialist at one 800 955 4572, Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm Eastern Time. Thanks for listening.